Good evening. Welcome in to the Boulevard Brewing Company post-game drink after a 37-28 Missouri win over the Vanderbilt Commodores, Mizzou's first win over a Power 5 team, its first SEC win, and a game that evened the record at 4-4 four and four this season. We are going to spend most of this show taking your calls. I have a feeling I know what most of the subject matter is going to be about. I uh, just want to start giving you kind of a 30,000-foot view of what I thought after that game and um, kind of set the scene. We'll spend that spend the next five to ten minutes doing that, and then we will get to your guys' calls. Uh, want to, before we get into this, thank Boulevard for being our sponsor. Uh, every week on this post-game show, Boulevard has obviously a huge and ever-expanding line of beers you can try. They also have the Fling Cocktails. They have the Cork uh, Seltzers and would encourage you guys, hey, it's at 5.40. It's about time. There's plenty of other games on tonight. Go out, grab yourself some Boulevard products, settle in on the couch, and maybe give me a call and then watch some college football in the night windows. A couple of good SEC games going on this evening. Um, okay, let's start with the good. Tyler Beatty is phenomenal. He is this side of Brad Smith as important a single player as I have ever seen probably in 18 years of covering Missouri football. Um, I, I refuse to really put anybody above Brad on that list, but Tyler Beatty certainly is making a case. 294 total yards on 39 touches. Missouri had 73 offensive snaps, and Tyler Beatty touched it on 39 of them. 31 carries for 254 yards, 8 catches for 40 yards, 2 touchdowns. The game icing 73-yard run, and um, I, I mean, he's the team right now, pretty much, except for there's one other guy, Harrison Mevis. He's never going to miss a kick again. He has made 19 straight field goals. I believe they said on the broadcast at 1.62 straight kicks. It's probably 63 or 64 at this point in time. Without those two, legitimately, I can make a case Missouri is 1-7. and seven. I think they'd have still beaten SEMO. Without those two players, they might be 1-7. and seven. We've covered the good. Beatty and Mevis is the good. Look, the defense is not better. It didn't get fixed. Vanderbilt ran for 258 yards. Uh, they threw the ball when they had to, even though they're not really very capable of throwing the ball. Missouri committed nine penalties for 100 yards. They got ahead 10-0, so they did start faster. Eli Drinkwood said they wanted to fix three things. A fast start, penalties, turnovers. They did start faster. It was 10-0. Connor Bazelak then threw a dreadful interception. Missouri then immediately melted down for about 18 minutes. I mean, just went from in control to, I I don't even know, for about 18 minutes. They fell behind 14-10. It should have probably been more. A Hail Mary from Basilak to Kiki Chisholm um, puts them up 17-14 at half. Look, nice throw, good catch. Missouri deserves some credit for that. I don't know what the hell Vanderbilt was doing. That's the worst defense I've ever seen on a Hail Mary. Uh, second half, I, I honestly, I spent most of the half thinking Vanderbilt probably was going to find a way to win this game. Connor Bazelak gets hurt in the fourth quarter. I don't know what the commentators were, you know, discussing maybe a hamstring. 
I thought it kind of looked like a head injury. Mitchell Forty is on is going to be on the postgame call with Eli Drinkwitz. He's going to shoot me a text, let me know what Drinkwitz says, both about Basilak and about the quarterback situation going forward. I will let you guys know that as soon as I know it. Um, but Mitch is on the postgame call, and I'm here with you guys. So when that information gets relayed to me, I will let you know um, what they say about it. Anyway, Tyler Macon comes in. Has a about a five-yard quarterback draw, quarterback keeper on his first play, which leads to Amiva's 52-yard field goal, which puts Missouri up 30-21. to 21. Missouri then allows Vanderbilt to drive the length of the field and make it 30-28, to 28, thanks in large part to a fourth-down pass interference penalty. So that means Missouri has to score again. Tyler Beatty gets the 73-yard run. Macon runs two yards on a quarterback keeper on the next play and we are going to have a full-fledged quarterback controversy on our hands despite the fact that the backup did not attempt to pass and I'm not telling you it's wrong to have the quarterback controversy it is a fact of life it is what is going to happen um now I imagine this is my guess that Eli Drinkwitz is going to say if Connor Basilak is healthy he is the starting quarterback and then we will wait to find out if he is healthy. He will set this up so that if Connor Bazelak doesn't start, it is clearly because of health. That may not be the actual reason, but that is 100% what he will say today, I, I would assume. So, and, and look, I said on our board many times during the game, I would have pulled Connor Bazelak probably. That was before the Hail Mary. Once he threw the Hail Mary, he wasn't getting pulled in this game. That was pretty obvious. Before the Hail Mary, I would have pulled him. Once he threw that, he was going to play. Um, I know the comparison that's going to be made here, right? Brad Smith was playing very poorly um, against Iowa State in 2005. Uh, it was Brad's senior year. He wasn't having a great season. Missouri was struggling. He gets hurt against Iowa State in the fourth quarter. Chase Daniel comes in, leads Missouri to 10 points and an overtime win over Iowa State in Columbia. Gary Pinkle went back to Brad, sent him out the right way, um, but the legend of Chase Daniel was, was begun that day against Iowa State. Now there's a difference here. Chase Daniel had to use his arm to, uh, to win that game. He did not have to – Tyler Macon did not have to do that today. Okay, I want to tell you guys here what Mitchell Forty is reporting from the postgame call. Asked about Connor Basilak, Eli Drinkwood says he doesn't know exactly the injury, says he thinks it's a soft tissue injury, says the decision to turn to Tyler Macon was, quote, situational elaborates that had it been a different situation, the team probably would have turned to Brady Cook. Here's what that means, folks. Missouri was in a situation where it wasn't going to throw the ball. It was going to run. They allowed Macon to run the ball twice, and it worked. What Eli Drinkwitz was saying is if we needed to throw the ball, Brady Cook would have played. That means against Georgia next week, if Connor Bazelak can't play, Brady Cook is going to be your starting quarterback. Because what Drinkwitz just said, again, I want to read it to you. 
Eli Drinkwood says he doesn't know the extent of the injury, says he thinks it's a soft tissue injury, says the decision to turn to Tyler Macon was, quote, situational, elaborates that if it had been a different situation, the team would have probably turned to Brady Cook. You're going to have to throw a pass at some point against Georgia. If Connor Bazelak can't start, Brady Cook's going to be your starting quarterback next week. Eli Drinkwitz just said it without saying it. I mean, that is that's that is very easy um, to see. Um, okay, so let's look at the stats real quick. They look better than they f- than it felt. Missouri runs for, runs for 284 among its 502 total offense. Vandy, 380 total offense, but 258 on the ground. Um, it was in doubt all the way until Tyler Beatty ran for 73 yards. Guys, this was the worst team in the SEC without its starting quarterback and on its third string running back. And it was in doubt till the very end. Um, let's take a look at, at some of the more elaborate stats here that we've got. Um, individually, again, Beatty, 31 for 254. Michael Cox, clearly the number two running back, four carries for 20 yards. Actually had an 18-yard touchdown called back by penalty. Beatty, again, the leading receiver. Or I'm sorry, the second leading receiver. Kiki Chisholm had four for 95, including the 45-yard Hail Mary. He made some plays in this game. Towski Dove came up with a couple of nice plays. Basilek's numbers look good. 22 of 28, 218. You know, that's, what is that? That's a little over seven yards in attempt. Obviously helped by the Hail Mary, but completed 79%, 148 rating, one touchdown, one pick. The numbers look good. But if you watch that game, it it just didn't feel good. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. On the Vanderbilt side, Mike Wright runs for 152. Patrick Smith runs for 95. Vanderbilt, which had nine yards rushing, last week, nine yards for the whole game, averaged seven yards on 37 carries. Um, the right was 14 to 28 for 122 yards passing, but he did throw for three touchdowns. Um, I look, look at those, look at those numbers. I mean, Basilak completed eight more passes for 96 more yards, but the touchdowns three to one, I don't really understand quarterback rating. I'm not sure I'm saying Wright was better than Basilak, but I don't know that he was worse, to be quite honest with you. Um, So, again, before we take calls, and we are going to take calls here in just a minute, I want to reiterate what Eli Drinkwitz said in his post-game press conference. He doesn't know the extent of the injury. The decision to play Tyler Macon was situational. Had it been a different situation, they would have played Brady Cook. Again, it that tells me that the starting quarterback next week is either going to be Brady Cook or Connor Bazelak. I, I look, I'll own that if I'm wrong. Um, but that is what that tells me. So I want to open up the phone lines, guys. There's the number, 573-234-4935. You guys give me a call. We're we're opening it up to you guys. Whatever you want to talk about is what we are going to talk about. And we are going to go to the phone line now. I do need to stress, when you call in, please, whatever you're listening on, put that device on mute, and I will call out your area code. When I do, you go. If I don't call out your area code, I need you to hang on for a minute because I'm on the phone with somebody else. So we're going to start in the 913 area code. Who am I talking to? 
the 913 area code just hung up on me. So if you want to call back, you are certainly more than welcome to call back. Uh, again, phone lines open, uh, 573-234-4935. Not, not sure what happened to that call, but but happy to take your calls on this game. We will uh, see what happens. Again, Missouri, a 37-28 winner, and, and I want to open it up to you guys because I don't have a lot to say about this game. I came in saying I'm not really going to see a whole lot that – probably means much and I didn't Missouri won it wasn't impressive I don't think you feel great coming out of that game you don't know who the quarterback's gonna be we're gonna go to the phone lines now and we're gonna start in the 206 area code who am I talking to hey Gabe it's free weapon um, I'm, in, I'm in Nashville walking back to the clock in the game okay what's um, going on man not much just um kind of enjoy the game just um so I didn't notice one thing is that when Tyler Mason came in, just there were like considerably more Missouri fans than Nashville. More Missouri fans than Vanderbilt fans there. It kind of seemed like there was a large applause when Tyler Mason took the field. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's just Missouri fans just kind of always wanted the next guy up or what the case was. But I don't know. I just found it interesting that there was such a cheer. And throughout the game, there were also like a lot of sides of people kind of really getting tired of the checkdowns. There were guys running open downfield. And I never want to like kind of bash on a kid because you know he's just a kid, but kind of it was pretty evident that there were guys kind of running wide open down the field that he wasn't even looking at. Yeah. There were a couple of plays where he checked down to Beatty where he actually had time to keep on extending the play to find guys downfield that he just kind of didn't want to do. It almost seemed like he was playing a little bit timid. So yeah. All right, appreciate the report from Nashville. Uh, and, and obviously without kind of going back and, and looking at the, the game, I can't tell you for sure that there were guys running wide open, but I think that I think that analysis is exactly right. Missouri fans wanted the backup quarterback. And the backup quarterback they wanted is the four star from East St. Louis. That they've been asking for it for three, four weeks. They got it. He made a couple plays. Again, Eli Drinkwood said after the game it was situational. I don't expect Tyler Macon to be the starter next week. And and look, I want to be clear about one thing. Nobody wanted Macon to be in the game that way. Nobody wanted Connor Bazelak hurt. I, I think that is is pretty clear. But um they were happy to see the backup quarterback in the game. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Bazelak was struggling. He's been struggling for a month. And they got their wish one way or another. So uh, let's go now to the 217 area code. Who am I talking to? Uh, Gabe, this is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm just going to turn to defense a little bit. I thought that uh, Chad Bailey actually pretty respectable today. I know the linebackers have been a really point of emphasis, and Devin Nicholson you know, struggled quite a bit. And, and but I thought Chad Bailey was actually a little bit of a bright spot. I mean, nothing spectacular, but it was actually pretty solid. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the defensive snaps. Bailey had six tackles, two TFLs, had a hurry, had a sack. Um, the numbers look good. Um, you know, the defense, I, again, I have a hard time praising anybody individually too much on a defense that just gave up 260 yards, but I think that's probably the best game a Missouri linebacker has played this year, you know, Um Bailey has clearly earned more playing time. I think he's better than Blaze Aldridge, who had one tackle today. I think he's better than Devin Nicholson, who frankly has been an issue this year. Um, you know, I don't those were the only three linebackers I think that played today. I don't even think there was another one because Jamie Petway, you know, transferred. So 
I, there's a, there's something to like there with Bailey, um, and and I think he goes into next year as a starter. Yeah, I think just I mean just having somebody that can just be respectable at this point. I mean, look at him as a bright spot, just as someone that is actually a decent starter. Just is, is a little bit refreshing at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's where we're at, right? We're just we're searching for just be okay, and we're happy with that. Uh, but but that's the facts. I, I agree with you, Ryan. Thanks, Gabe. Have a good one, man. All right. You too, man. Appreciate it. Um, okay. Let's go uh, elsewhere on the line. Um, what do I have? I don't really know. Hang on. Okay. We are going to the 301 area code. Who's there? Hey, Gabe. How's it going? Not bad. Who am I talking to? Uh, this is Jacob out in uh, suburban Maryland, Washington, D.C. All right. What's uh, up, Jacob? How you doing, I man? wonder, Gabe, if you – I'm a good man. Hey, I wonder if you could – put your thoughts on what the defensive coaching staff is going to look like going forward and what this means for Steve. You know, I'm still not sold necessarily that Steve Wilkes gets fired after this year, to be quite honest, because the fact is Missouri's going to owe him $1.4 million at the end of the year if he goes away. That's after paying Jethro Franklin 400000 it's a, it, it, it's a, uh, I got somebody's phone doing weird things. You guys, you got to make sure you're on mute if you're on hold. Um, it, it's a, an athletic department that's been losing money. I, I don't know for sure that he fires Steve Wilkes. He might. Um, look, if they get run out of the, run out of the stadium in their last three games and give up 600,000 rushing yards or whatever, certainly it, it's possible. He's on the clock. I don't know if he's going to get fired. Like I, I'd call it 50-50 at this point, to be quite honest with you. I guess a better way to ask that question, Gabe, is how much of this is personnel? Some of it, certainly. But, look, this was this is the worst team in the SEC with a backup quarterback and a third-string running back that just went for 260 yards. I've seen guys on this defense be better than they are this year. This is not all talent, right? I mean, the excuse after the Tennessee game and even the A&M game, which was partially true, was, well, we just they have more guys than we do, and they did. So I'll take that. Now, not enough more guys for the games to be over in the first quarter, but they had more talent. Vandy does not have more talent. In no world does Vandy have more talent. Vandy's the only school in this league that Missouri has out-recruited consistently, even under Barry Odom. So this isn't all about talent. And I've seen these guys play better than this. It's also not all about scheme. I mean, it. I don't know what's going on, but I, I think it's pretty clear there's there's some dissension on this team and there needs to be roster turnover. I It seems pretty obvious to me. From someone who's, and I, I hate to take up your phone line so I'll get off after this question, but for, for someone who's watching this from afar and maybe not as closely as, as you, what's giving you the idea that that extension Well, there, I, I mean, look, you hear some things, right? But also, I just watched the games. Like, the Tennessee game was over after seven minutes. There was no fight. The A&M game was over after seven minutes. There was no fight. They got up 10 nothing today. They had one one play that turned the game on its head for almost two quarters. Um, I've just I've seen these guys be better than they are. This is not an all-star defense, but they were better last year. Some of them were better two years ago. 
Um, and and it's not, it's just simply not all explainable by they don't have enough talent. And Steve Wilkes was an NFL defensive coordinator and head coach. He's not an idiot. He's not running some scheme that has no chance to work. Um, so it's not all scheme. It's not all talent. It's not all hey, there's something weird going on. I think it's probably some combination of all of that. Yeah, Gabe, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate your time. All right, Jacob. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, all right, let's jump next to the 573 area code. Who do I have here? Hey, this is Morgan. What's up, Morgan? How you doing, man? Pretty good. I just wanted to say uh, if any company wants to sign Tyler Beatty to a big enough NIL deal that he'll skip going to the NFL next year, I'll give them all of my money. Yeah, it would be helpful, wouldn't it? Because uh, it's a little bit scary to think about this team without him. Yeah, I was, uh, but seriously, I was going to ask you, where would you rank Tyler Beatty in amongst Missouri's most recent running backs? Because I think if he played on the offenses that like Josie and Marcus Murphy played for, he'd put up just as much numbers as those guys did, if not more. Yeah, I mean, he's looked really, as far as all-around players, look, he's the only guy in history who has 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving. I mean, he's a different type of back than Larry Roundtree. He's not going to have Larry's numbers, but he also didn't get Larry's chances. He's a Marcus Murphy type. I don't know if he's better than Marcus Murphy or better than Henry Josie or Tony Temple. You know, they're... I have a hard time saying for sure, but I mean, this season is probably the best season I've seen simply because like, there's nothing else there. there. There's nothing on this offense really helping him out. He is the entire thing. So uh, it's, it, it's up there with, with the best I've ever seen. There's no question. I, at some point I'll probably, it sounds like a good thing for like my Monday morning column to sit down and, and really kind of run through them and maybe rank the running backs of this century. Um, or at least their individual seasons, but but Beatty's in the discussion with with all of them, no question. Yeah, I just feel like he gets. Uh, he's, I just haven't seen a lot of talk about him this this season, as far as ranking him with those. Uh, you know, he doesn't, doesn't seem as popular as those guys. Yeah, I think part yeah, of it is this team's not very good, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say either that, or maybe it's just he really has only started for this one season, so. Right, he's probably yeah, anyway, the most – thanks, Morgan. I appreciate the call. He's probably the most similar to Marcus Murphy, who wasn't really the feature back until the very end, um, but but did yeah. a little bit of everything. Let's jump now to the 513 area code. Who am I talking with? Hey, Gabe, this is Eric from uh, Cincinnati. What's How up, Eric? Doing? How you doing, man? Hey, well, um, Jacob answered or asked a question I was primarily going to ask, but, I mean – at this point, we're four and four, and mm-hmm. without a whole lot of winnable games left. So, what does Drake do? What What is his goal for the rest of the year? I mean, I I understand that you always want to win, but after that A and M game, I, I see him trying to avoid blowouts against Georgia and Florida. So, do you really? I mean. What what's the metric for the rest of the for the rest of the season? I mean, the goal I is it, the goal is find a way to win two, right? I I understand why people don't think that is likely or possible. Trust me, I do. But he his goal is clearly going to be beat South Carolina. Florida is hardly invincible, right? They're about to be four and four. They're not. I mean, they're better than Missouri. They're going to be favored, but it's not impossible that Missouri wins that game. But even if they don't, if they win the South Carolina game, you're going into Arkansas five and six and playing for a bowl. Um, I, 
as far as like preparing guys for the future, I, I would like to see some packages for Tyler Macon. Again, I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback next week, whether that's Basilak or Brady Cook. I don't know, but Drinkwitz's comments make it pretty obvious it's probably one of those two. I would like to see some packages for Tyler Macon. Um, you know, I, I think I'd like to see some packages that include Michael Cox to to give you a little bit of a change of pace in the run game. I, but you cannot, as long as a bowl game is theoretically on the table, you can't just go like full prep for next year mode. Also, your best chance to win games is Tyler Beatty, who's not going to be back next year, and you kind of ride him as far as you can ride him. So I the goal is still just find a way to win enough games to, to get one more game and get two extra weeks of practice. Um, I, everybody will have different feelings on how possible that is. But I would, yeah, I would like to include – you know, something for Tyler Macon to get a chance to to see uh, a little bit of time. And because and, I think no matter what, we're going into next year with an open quarterback competition. Do you ever remember, uh, and this will be my last question, but do you ever remember a coach losing the, uh, a, a new coach losing the locker room in like their second or third year, like drinks seem to have, and then coming back and, and, and fixing it? and getting things righted. Um, I'm, you know, I'm pessimistic, you know, just kind of feels echoes of Chad Morris to me down in Arkansas. And uh, I'll take take it off the air and and listen to your response. But thanks, man. Appreciate it, Eric. It is a a somewhat fair comparison, although, like, Chad Morris was 0-16 in the SEC, and Eli Drinkwitz had a good year one, and, you know, he's, what, six and eight in the SEC, I think. So that's a little harsh. Um, I don't think it's fair to say Drinkwitz has lost the locker room. I think it's fair to kind of question what's going on, which is what I'm doing, and saying, hey, there. it seems to me there's got to be more than meets the eye. I don't think it's fair to say he's lost the locker room. I mean, look, Tyler Beatty was a – was an Odom guy, right? He is playing his ever-loving ass off. Nobody can question how hard that dude is trying. Um, Chad Bailey came in and, and you know played well today. Uh, you know there there are there are some bright spots. So I don't think it's fair to say he's lost the locker room. Also, there is going to be a lot of turnover after this season. Like there's going to be a lot of dudes leave and a lot of new dudes come in, and this roster is going to look very different. So. Yeah, I think it's. I think he's got every chance this offseason to kind of um, restructure the roster and restructure the locker room and all that. And we'll see what it looks like next year. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't think it's time to like. You're not hitting the 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 eject button or anything yet. We'll we'll see where it goes. And I want to want to move on to the three one four area code. You still with me? I, if, if so, I appreciate you hanging on. Who am I talking to? Oh, yeah, Gabe. I'm here. Uh, this is Will from St. Louis. How you doing? Not bad. How you doing, Will? Hey, uh, so you guys have been talking about running backs a lot, and I know it's, it's a sad thing to think up in the future that Tyler Beatty will no longer be wearing the black <laughs> and gold. And I know Elijah Young had some carries early on, but it seems like Michael Cox is the guy that they really like. Mm-hmm. But I just know, like, Frank has been talking about Taj Butts back when he was at the cement, and he did really well. So I'm just wondering, do you think in the future Mizzou's going to prefer Butts or Cox? 
I, I like it. Um, I think Michael Cox is the number two running back. I don't think this is what you're really asking, but Michael Cox is the number two running back. I think B.J. Harris is in there above Taj Butts. Uh, Elijah Young is a guy that just didn't play in, and so I think it's fair to, to wonder if he's going to be here. But uh, I, I'll leave the word play alone, though, but appreciate the call, Will. All right, thanks, Gabe. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, let's go to the uh, back to the 573 area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe, it's Justin Ferguson down here in Mississippi. How you doing, man? Not bad, Justin. What's up, man? Yeah, so, I mean, after watching the game, obviously I, I still think Connor Bazelak is, is the number one quarterback on this team. I do think he does give us the best chance, but we have got to at least have Tyler Macon have some sort of package or, or yeah. something. His legs just, I mean, just that threat opens up enough holes uh that's going to make Tyler Beatty even more successful. The only knock I would say on Beatty, and you know, have a knock on him really after today's game, but is that when you know he he can you know get tackled for losses. You know, it seems like more than than your average back just because of his size. But with that threat of that run from Macon, it just opens up a little bit more for for Beatty to be more successful. And I think you know what I would like to see drink do more of is get Cox in the game and have Beatty kind of out there in the slot to kind of get him the ball on the edge a little bit more. I just think there's more to this offense that can happen. And we just haven't quite seen it yet. And and I hope going forward, we kind of see it. I I agree with a ton of what you're saying. He's talked for two years about like using Tyler Beatty and being versatile with him and all that. He's never really done it to be honest. He talked about it, but it's never really happened. Now, here's here's another thing I'll point out about Tyler Beatty, and you're right, he got tackled for a loss quite a few times today. It is a damn miracle that Tyler Beatty is having the year he's having, because that offensive line, I thought was a mess for a lot of the day. Now, not all of it. Look, there have to be holes there, right? But he makes a lot of that yardage on his own. Um, I, I, there were a lot of times where I just thought, he has no chance. Like, he's lucky they're not taking the handoff from him. You know, um, agree with you on Macon after I saw what I saw, like just the threat that the quarterback is going to run. And and there's no threat of it with Basilak, right? Even the play he got hurt on was a speed option that just it had no chance because uh, he was no threat and Vandy didn't really respect it. So I agree with most of what you're saying there. And, and I think there should be a couple packages in there for – for Macon and for Michael Cox and and switch it up a little bit and see if you can give Beatty a chance to be even better, which sounds crazy, but um, but I think there's a chance there. Yeah, I think we got really um, – oh, man, I don't even know, know what the word is, but having Larry Roundtree last year, you know, with that offensive line, I, I – I don't think a lot of the same guys are back, so it's not like it's that well, different of an offensive line. But if if you go back and look but, at if but, you go back and look at last year, Justin Roundtree was not nearly as good last year as he had been in previous years. Like I think he averaged less than four yards a carry. I'm not sure that line was very good last year either. To be quite honest with you, I think yeah, that's the right, but what what. Go yeah, ahead. and all I'm saying is he he covered up a lot of those things. Like you kind of yeah. saw today. Cox would get hit almost at the line of scrimmage, but he was able to still somehow get three yards, mm-hmm. you know, out of that. And that, you know, when you're going from – when it's second and seven, that's a big difference than, you know, being second and ten or, or oh, even yeah. second and eleven. Uh, I think a lot of times that, you know, a guy like Cox or Roundtree 
kind of really covers up the fact that our run, our offensive line, when it comes to running the football, they're just not opening up a lot. And that's where I think making can kind of help at least open a little bit up, especially next week. I mean, we're talking Georgia, the best defense, you know, in college football. They're, if you put Bazelak in there, I mean, we're – I just want to see Drink do something. Look, like, there, there's instead of just you know, you know, like Georgia's number one. We're going to wave the white flag. I I want Drink to tr- at least go in there and try. Well, I mean, yeah. Look, he can try all he wants. Um, the goal next week is just not get anybody hurt. To me, I, I mean, it really is. I I know that sounds right. bad, but like nobody's come close to Georgia and Missouri in the first team that's going to do it. Yeah, no, I, I want at least at least go in there and fight. I mean, that's the one thing I think yeah. we all ask for from our teams is to at least fight, to yes. go in there, fight like hell. If you get blown out, you get blown out, but at least you fought for it. Well, well and, and it's going to be – going in there with Bazelak, it's, it's really fighting for it. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to tell, I think. Like, they could fight next week and lose 54-10 to because Georgia's that much better. Like, I'm not sure I know how Missouri scores next week unless Beatty breaks three tackles and somehow manages to – to get in, I mean, nobody can run the ball against them. Um, and, and your choices are starting a guy who left the game with injury today, starting a true freshman who's thrown five passes, or starting a, a, a redshirt freshman who's thrown like 14. I mean, it's not very many good cha- choices there, right? I think I might hand the ball off about 76 times next week and hope to, hope to shorten the game somehow. Yeah, and I mean, at least hopefully what I'm, what I'm getting at is is, you know, obviously I don't expect them to beat Georgia or to really even be all that competitive with Georgia. But you got these next three games after that. You know, you got you got South Carolina, Florida, which I'll actually be driving from Mississippi to come up and see, and then Arkansas. I mean, try to do something to build yourself toward those last three games is really what I'm, I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah, that's fair, man. That's fair. Um, appreciate the call, Justin, and and agree with with almost everything you say there. We're gonna gonna go ahead and move on, but but thanks for the call, bud. Appreciate you being here. All right, let's go now to the two two nine area code. Who do I have from the two two nine? Hey, what's up, Gabe? Uh, this is Aaron uh, from Albany, Georgia. What's up, Aaron? How you doing, and, man? And uh, yeah, I was one of those uh, viewers. Uh, who uh, thought, oh, this is going to be easy game, 10 nothing. but, you know, my wife's a Gator, you know, I'm trying to switch, the, switch channels watching the Georgia-Florida game. Rare time my spouse is going to watch football. And um, so I didn't watch much of the game. But, but one thing that's very frustrating to me, even last year, was the fact that I, I'm a, I, if I'm Beatty's representation or family, I mean, why? He, he should have had way more carries last year. Um, I don't know why uh, Drinkwitz wants to run these running backs into the ground. And yeah. it's obvious to most people Michael Cox is a decent number two, and it's not like – he was very effective the year before last. And um, it's not like Baby just all of a sudden rolls on the scene. It's just Drinkwitz just wants to run one running back, even though the running backs might have been similar. Yeah, yeah. It, it was curious to me last year, like, why is Tyler Beatty getting no carries, right? But at the same time, Roundtree was being successful. Um, and, and if I'm Beatty, I am a little bit worried about, like, hey, man, running backs only have X number of carries, and I'm getting, like, 312 of them this year. But at the same time, what are you going to do? Go to your coach and say, hey, give me the ball less? You know, um, it, it's a tough situation. Drinkwitz's job is to win games here. 
Um, not really to worry about where Tyler, Tyler Beatty goes in the draft or how good he is when he leaves here. And the simple fact of the matter is the best way for Missouri to win football games this year is to give Tyler Beatty 39 touches like they did today. Um, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see a package with Cox, uh, but it's, it's kind of hard to argue with giving the ball to Tyler Beatty too. Well, I'm talking about, well, let's talk about last year. I mean, everybody was assuming Roundtree was heads and shoulders above Beatty. Uh, and looking at Beatty this year, I, you know, unless he's just transformed. His, I, mean, I, think, I think he did get stronger in the offseason. So maybe he has transformed himself, too. But I'm thinking if I'm a parent of a four-star, five-star running, well, four-star running back, because the five-star is not going to consider Missouri. But if I have a four-star running back as a son, I'm not sending him to Missouri where he's, uh, you know, of course my son might want to play every, you know, every snap, but if I'm thinking my son can go to the NFL, I'm not going to see him get worn out in three years, you know, taking every snap, you know, every carry. Uh, I, you know, I just not – you got to think long-term. You also got to think about the next year. Yeah. You need to prepare a running, you know, a running back who's going to succeed, baby, next year. So, I'm, I mean, so no, it's... I, I, that's one of my pet peeves I had last year. I had, that, I had a problem with that last year. Yeah, you you bring up fair so, points, man. I I I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, uh, it's it's fair. It'll be interesting to see next year. You know, if there isn't a clear number one guy, if he just identifies one and and goes with this anyway, or if there's more of a distribution. We thought there would be a little bit more distribution this year. It's actually been even less, and I don't know if that's because Beatty's been so good. The backups aren't good enough, or some combination of the two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. The other, I'm switching topics to the defense. Okay. Uh, I know you hear whispers, um, and I, I hear, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid of rumors or anything like that. But um, I, I'm hearing some stuff uh, from, you know, that, that there's something going on and with the defense. And I, I'm not going to give any names or, or specifics, but, but um, my, I guess my question is, you know, I'm reading Gary Pinkle's book, and you know, he's talking about each and every year the importance of having strong senior leadership mm-hmm. and um when i look at that defense i'm trying to find who you know i thought manuel marquez could mm-hmm. be elite, he's elite i know he's not a senior and not you know but he strikes me as a leader but um you follow the team you know you definitely follow closer to me if you had to rank the senior leadership well this is a leadership and you know you don't have to be a senior to be a leader yeah. but i'm i'm thinking that this has to be one of the worst led teams on defense yeah, you know, as far as the lack of leadership. I mean, I I guess Martez would probably be kind of that top guy. They talked about Blaze Aldridge being a guy, but I mean, he'd been here for three months. I don't think that was realistic. Kobe Whiteside isn't a super vocal guy. Neither is Trajan Jeffcoat. Um, you know, Chris Turner wasn't really even necessarily a starter. Jalen Carlisle doesn't strike me as a guy who talks a lot. Um. So, yeah, there's – I mean, I think it becomes easier to say where's the leadership when they play as poorly as they have. Like, do they – are they playing poorly because they have no leadership or do they have no leadership because they're playing poorly? I, I don't really know. Um, but but it's definitely like a – it's a worthwhile question, right? And we've said all year, like, hey, they might be bad, but they're not this untalented and the scheme might be messed up, but it's not this bad, right? So I, I think leadership's a part of it. Chemistry is a part of it. Everything's a part of it at this point. Well, I guess um, you can police players off the field, you know, making sure yeah. they're doing the right thing. 
that they're going to class, that mm-hmm. they're, you, you know, uh, going to study. You know, coaches aren't always going to be your best, you know, best, you know, best person to police that type of behavior. And so I guess looking into next year, I, okay, I got Martez. I don't know if they listen to him, um, but uh, who are some other, you think, emerging leaders like a Chad Bailey, I think he's gonna is he gonna be a senior? You know, does he yeah. strike you as a, a potential leader? Who, who's who's gonna fill that role? Because when you're a senior, it changes. You know, okay, this is my team. Okay, I'm gonna you know you, you're gonna take charge more than whereas whereas before you might defer to the senior leadership. So who's going next leader? It's gonna be on next year. That's my question. It could be Bailey. You're right. I mean, Ennis Rakestraw is back next year. I don't know that he's you know he he's not a senior, but he does seem kind of like a guy who will take charge a little bit personality wise Jeff Coat theoretically should be a senior I don't see him having been good enough this year really to go pro so I would think he'll be back um you know Carly's has another year in the system so he's probably a guy um I, those are probably the main candidates you know I don't I don't really see Darius Robinson is is that type of guy Byers and Whiteside are going to be gone Devin Nicholson strikes me as I don't know. Is is he a, is he a, a leader when, frankly, he's been pretty questionable this year? Uh, so, yeah, I guess Manuel, Jeffcoat, Bailey, those are probably your guys. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All, All right. right. Take care. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate the call, man. Let's go uh, 636 area code. Who's there from the 636? Hey, Gabe. What's up? It's Josh. What's up, Josh? How you doing, man? Pretty good. Hope you are as well. Um, one thing that I wanted to say about Tyler Beatty, even though there's already been a ton of room to talk about him, um, and you kind of touched on it, but I wanted to emphasize the fact that he's doing everything that he's doing while really being the only threat on offense. Yep. I mean, Dove or Chisholm or someone like that will make a play here and there. Uh, base lack is nothing special. I mean, I think a lot of these teams, the game plan is, you see this guy, number one, Tyler Beatty, if you can limit him, I mean, there's not a whole lot Missouri can do to win games. And he right. still does it. And to me, that is the most impressive part. I, I do think it is worth pointing out that most of Beatty's numbers have come in four wins against bad teams, right? Like, the best team he's really produced against, I don't know, Central Michigan or Vanderbilt, I guess. Now, that's not all on him, right? I mean, we talked about the line not being very good, and, and that's a problem. But, like, A&M shut him down. Tennessee shut him down. You know, um, he's had he's had huge numbers in Missouri's wins, but Missouri's wins have been against the worst competition. But I agree with your basic premise. He's literally the only threat on this offense. I mean, Josh Heupel said coming into the into the game that week, he said everything they do goes through the running back. I mean, he's the best receiver on the team. He's the best running back on the team. You know, he does a lot of it behind an offensive line that I frankly think is pretty, I don't know, mediocre. Is that a fair term for what yeah. the offensive line is? So he he's having a great year. He deserves a lot of credit. But this offense and this team are only going to be good when there's a lot more than one guy. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, too. I, I do definitely think that when you're going up against better competition, it is easier for them to take Baby out and oh, it makes yeah. it harder for Baby because not only is their game plan – revolved around him, but they actually have better talent to go and execute that game plan to take him out. I remember, like, against Arkansas last year, 
Um, he basically was the one who single-handedly flipped that game when I think they were down like 14 yeah, or something like run. that late in the game. Yeah, he's just that he's just that type of game changer, and he's really the only one that can do anything. Now, uh, going into the quarterback conversation, you know, one thing that, that really stood out to me today was this was Vanderbilt's backup quarterback, right? Yes. And he seemed fairly competent. Like, he wasn't going to wow you or anything like that. He could run. He could run. If he did something. Yeah, that kept Vanderbilt in that game. And I'm just thinking about, looking back over the last several years, how many backup quarterbacks Missouri has gone against and how many of them have really been okay against Missouri. Right. And why is it that all these other teams seem to have these competent quarterbacks waiting in the wings, but it takes drinks so long to pull the trigger on making a change at uh, quarterback. I just, I agree with you. I saw what you posted on the board, I think, about halfway through the game. Like, you've got to make a change at QB. He's just not getting yeah. you anything. Well, I think I think there's a couple things. First of all, I mean, to his credit, he made a change in the middle of game two last year. So... That's not a yep. long time, right? And, and Sean Robinson played well enough in the Alabama game to deserve to start week two. And then he made a switch and he never went back. Um, this year, I, I think the reason he has been hesitant is, like, I know people hate to hear this, but he sees practice every day and he thinks Connor Basilak's his best chance to win games. And, right. I, I mean, he said after this game, again, I think this is important to keep saying, he did not say Tyler Macon's the number two quarterback. He said he went to Tyler Macon because it was situational. If they had needed to throw the ball there, he's not going to Tyler Macon. He's going to Brady Cook. So what that tells me is you can have a package for Tyler Macon, but if you're bringing him into the game, you're basically telling the opposition we're going to run the ball. Right? We're not going to throw it much. Um, I, so what it tells me is he trusts Basilak, even if – even. At whatever levels Basilak has been playing, he thinks it's better than Brady Cook or Tyler Macon. Now, whether he's right or wrong, I don't know. And I understand everybody that's just saying, well, just I just want to see something different. I, I get yeah. it, but the coach thinks that something different is pretty clearly worse, and that's why he hadn't made the switch until he was forced to make the switch. I said it a bunch. I'd have yanked him in the Tennessee game, and I'd have yanked him in the A&M game. And I'd have yanked him before halftime today, um, but I'm not in charge, and and that's not what Drinkwitz did. Yeah, no, and I totally understand um, that viewpoint because I think it is really frustrating when you're a coach and all these fans who aren't at practice every day are telling you to make a switch, make a switch. And when he is at practice and maybe he just feels like the Bayslack is the best quarterback and he's maybe right, but I just think it does get to a point where the guy that you think is the best for some reason isn't getting it done in the games and you just have to try something new. And I know it was a really, and I don't have a dog in the fight of uh, Macon versus cook. I really would have been fine seeing either one of them um, in the situation where Bayslack got hurt. But uh, I will say that even though it was a really small sample size of Tyler Macon today, I loved the threat of actually, you know, him running. Um, he had a couple runs and he looked really good. I know he only ran it like two times, but um, he gave you something that Bayslack didn't, and I think the offense probably um, gets a little rejuvenated when they see somebody different coming to the game. Not that they're not, 
not that they don't play hard for Bayslack or anything, but you know they want the quarterback to play right. well. That and and that's that's why I would have made a switch at some point in the last three weeks because I like it's the only position on the team where you can just maybe making a switch doesn't mean he's not your starting quarterback anymore. It's the only position on a team that you can switch out and kind of send a message and try to spark your guys. You can't say, hey, guys, we're changing the right guard and everybody rallies around it, right? You can't change a receiver or a running back because those guys switch out all the time. Switching your quarterback mid-game is a way to try to get your team. I mean, it's no different than bringing in a relief pitcher, right? It's not, hey, your starting pitcher isn't going to make his next start. It's just today we just think, Hey, maybe we need to go a different direction. I'd have done it before. He didn't do it before. That's fine. I, I Now, I'll also say this. I don't think playing a different quarterback at any point this year changes Missouri's record. I don't think Missouri is 5-3 yeah. and three or 6-2 and two had anybody else played at any point this year. Um, but, you know, also, I, I think it's fair now to say because those guys really didn't get any experience any earlier, I, I'd be shocked if – Connor Bazelak is ready to start next week. What if those guys had gotten a couple series against Tennessee and A&M? Are they a little bit more ready than they're going to yeah. be next week? You know, I, I think those are fair questions to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I have one last thing for you, and then uh, I'll let you move on. Yeah. Um, but one thing that really has disappointed me about Drinkwitz this year is his play calling. I really think he play calls kind of scared this year, which – and I, I'm going to ask you a question um, involving this, but I, I mean, there were so many run, run, pass, punt today, and yep. that infuriated me. I thought they should have throw, uh, thrown the ball a little more. And you talk about Tyler Beatty, um, you know, not doing great um, at other times. I think a lot of that is because the situations that Drink puts him in with his play calling, like if you're just running up the middle on every first and second down, that, I mean, that does not put the running back in a good position. I think it got to a point in the game where Vanderbilt knew it was coming and they were able to stop it. Um, I thought the play calling was very um, uninspiring today. And like I said, it disappoints me because I feel like Drinkwitz was more aggressive last year. And I don't have like a chart in front of me that says, hey, he ran this many plays, um, you know, ahead of the line of scrimmage or whatever. Um, But I'll ask you, do you feel like that he, his play calling has been a little more timid than it was last year? Well, so here's the thing. I'd have to look. I I think play calling is an easy, like, buzzword that people criticize, right? If the offense isn't as good as people wanted to, it's play calling. In basketball, it's shot selection, right? The team shoots 22%. Well, poor shot selection. Maybe not. Maybe they missed open shots, right? Um, In in football, I think when the play didn't work, People think it's bad play calling. Now, let me look at the numbers again. Missouri ran 72 plays for 502 yards. That's seven yards a play. I mean, the offense worked today. I, I don't, I you know, not every play worked, certainly. Um, but I, I I find it, I, I can't really criticize play calling. Um, you know, I, I know people would like to see more deep passes. Now, I at some point, I'm going to look this up. I'll probably wait till the end of the year and kind of compare the deep passing this year with last year. Um, I looked it up earlier in the year, and the numbers were actually pretty similar. Like, it wasn't significantly less than last year. They took one deep shot to 
to J.J. Hester today, and I thought it was not a perfectly thrown ball, but a pretty well-thrown ball. Um, you know, the the Vandy DB made a nice play on it. Um, but I, I've got a hard time picking on play calling after today. I understand people would like to see a more exciting offense. I think Drinkwoods calls plays like a guy that doesn't fully trust his quarterback, like a, a guy that doesn't at all trust his offensive line, and like a guy that doesn't at all trust his defense. And I think at least two of those three things, he has very good reason for, for not trusting. Yeah, no, I appreciate you answering my question. That, that's why I asked, because I, I, could, I could be wrong, and I might be wrong. Um, I just felt like that this year, based on the eye test, that the offense was a lot more horizontal than vertical. But that's just me. Thanks for answering my question, Gabe, and thanks for uh, taking my call. All right, Josh, I appreciate it, man. Let's go uh, 618 area code next. You there with me? Yep, I'm with you. How you doing, Gabe? Not bad. Who am I talking to? Uh, my name's Keith. This is Keith. I called you the last last few games. I I, I love listening to this post game uh, that you're doing. It's just awesome. It, it's just like the best part of driving home. Appreciate I went, it. I actually drove down to Nashville. Drove down to Nashville for the game today. Okay. During the cold weather, it's always cold when I go to Nashville. Yeah, it looked and, really uh, miserable, and there were 17 people there. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Well, there were a lot. It was a good Mizzou sport, though. Really, it was. And they, um, and you know, we're watching the game, and you could just tell. At first, I thought maybe it was the weather, but then I, later I thought, no, it's the defense. I mean, he was really calling a very conservative game plan, I think, just to burn some clock. I mean, every time Mizzou did anything, we'd turn around, and they would score in, in four plays, you know, yeah. Vanderbilt would. So I, I, today, I, I, I've been critical of drink in the past for being a little bit uh, conservative, but today I totally understood it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, this defense – We've played eight games, right? This defense is what it is. It's not going to get better. It didn't get better during the bye week. It just is what it is, and Drinkwitz knows what it is, and he's got to – I'm not fully defending him, but he does have to manage the game understanding that side of the ball just can't get the job done, and so maybe I do need to hang on to the ball for a little bit longer. Have we heard anything about uh, Basilak yet? Uh, all I've heard is after the game, Drinkwood said that he didn't know the extent of the injury, um, said he thinks it's a soft tissue injury. Now, I, I don't know enough mm. to know if that means hip, hamstring, ligament. I'm not sure what that means, to be quite honest. Uh, it, the way he looked, I would be stunned if he could play next week, right? But I don't know. Well, we were impressed by Megan by watching him, but I uh, starting uh, against Georgia. That just seems like a monumental pass. So. Yeah, look, I don't care who starts a quarterback next week. I'd hand the ball off like thir- thirty-seven straight times and just hope <laughs> hope you can get a couple turnovers. You don't get anybody hurt, and maybe miraculously Georgia plays terrible on offense and you only lose twenty-one ten. I know that sounds bad. <laughs> But I like, think you're right, Gabe. Anyway, thanks for the show. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate the call, man. All right. Take let's care. go to the right. 417 area code. Who am I talking to now? Hey, Gabe. It's Tucker from Joplin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. What's up, Tucker? Not much. And I apologize. I haven't listened to uh, the show at all. I was uh, just wait till the next day and do it as a podcast. So some of this might have been answered. I heard the previous caller, but um was just going to kind of talk about the QB situation. And again, if you've answered all this, I apologize, but like, man, the QB run game when it's not there with Bay, I've always been like this whole year, I've been defending uh, 
Connor and mm-hmm. say, no, like he's the best one and all this, but man, like the, the QB run game, if it's not there and we're not going to be aggressive throwing the ball down the field, I, I, I don't know. Like it just, there, there's a real ceiling so, on this offense and yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say Tucker. So I think two things can both be true. Number one, everything you're saying is right. The offense is limited and Connor Bazelak, you know, isn't exceptional and maybe isn't good enough. And the second thing is he can still be the best quarterback on the best option at quarterback on the team. Like I think those things can both be true at the same time. Yeah. No. I, yeah. You're, you're right. I agree. And that's kind of what I've thought all year. But it's it, it's such a confidence thing with just the offense because I I, I don't see like last year. I I guess what I'm trying to say without I should just come out and say it is I, I feel like he's regressed because yeah. last year. I thought, like, okay, we're not like the 2,000 Rams or anything, but he was he was pretty good on third down. He was poised, and I thought he made a lot of big time throws. Yep. And this year, what's crazy is he actually I made mean, a couple like pretty good throws I, today. But there were so many did. like non plays. Yeah. I mean that that fourth and two throw to Towski Dove to convert, uh, you know, down inside the 20 was was a really impressive throw. He made some plays today, there's no question. But I think, I don't just think he's regressed this year. I think he's regressed since Boston College. I mean, people yeah. forget, like, he led them from a 10-point second-half deficit in that game to get to overtime, and then he, he throws the pick in, in OT, and it's just, I, I don't know where the guy's been since then, but he hadn't been the same quarterback. So, so along the same lines, but shifting a little bit here, and this might have been asked already, but like how, how tight of a rope does does Drink have to walk here? Let's like let's say Connor can't go. Mm-hmm. So like number first of all, you're playing the number one team in the country, the best defense right. maybe in the last several years in college. Maybe ever down yeah. in Athens. Yeah. Okay. And so you know you go with Cook or Macon, and then also like how does that play not just for the rest of this year. And maybe coaches don't think this far ahead, but like if if we're recruiting oh, St. Do. Louis and Drink is always looking at the big picture, mm-hmm. what if you think like, hey, like Macon's maybe good enough to start right now, but like I know I'm pretty sure Sam Horn's going to be better, and do I want to have to like bench an East St. Louis quarterback in a year or two? I mean, I know this is way down the road, but like how yeah. how many things does Drink have to look at when navigating this? So like, here's what I think he I looks think at this week. Assuming Basilak can't play, which maybe he'll play. Like, I think if he's healthy, he'll play. But let's say he's not. I think, and again, you said you didn't hear the beginning, so you may not have seen this yet. Drinkwood said after the game that playing Tyler Macon was situational. The translation of that means... I did see that on Twitter. Right. So the translation there is, we played him because we were going to run the football. Had we wanted to throw the football or needed to throw the football, we, we would have played Brady Cook. That tells me Brady Cook is your starting quarterback if Connor Bazelak can't play next week. Now, I think there's also an opportunity to have plays and packages in for Tyler Macon where you play both of them. So, look, you might say Brady Cook's our number two, but like we like Tyler Macon and there's things he can do and add to this offense and play them both, and so you kind of can walk that tightrope. And then you are just very clear coming out of this season. We go into spring football and fall camp with a wide-open quarterback competition, and that includes Connor Bazelak and Tyler Macon and Brady Cook, if they're both still here, and Sam Horn. We, we're going in with a wide-open competition, and I know every coach will say that, 
But he didn't last year, right? He basically said Connor Connor Bazelak's our starting quarterback. Yep. I don't think Connor has that's done like, enough exactly this year to said. ensure that for next year. I think you are very clear coming out of this season, unless a lot changes in the next four weeks, hey, we got a quarterback competition next year and anybody can win it. Yep. And now, now one one last thought on that is mm -hmm. the, the one thing that for, for fans that are uh, hopeful that Sam Horn might be the guy, it reminds me a little bit of Drew Locke in the sense of I think Drew was very clear during his recruiting process that hey I'm, I'm going to play basketball my senior year so I'm not going to graduate early yep. you know and be there for spring ball and uh Sam Horn's uh baseball and I hope he doesn't get drafted uh, at least high and he's a, a pitcher I think from yeah. suburban Atlanta so that means he'd stay more he's hell he might draft him just for that um but you know the if you're not there in the SEC like or big time college football as a true freshman for the spring it's Connor, I, I lost you there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand. Hey, I'm not sure if he'll be ready to. No, to okay. I'm not sure if he'll be ready to compete for the starting quarterback job next year either. Um, but I think you go in and give him a shot, right? I, I it would surprise me no, if he's your starting quarterback I, I totally next agree. year. I agree with you. It would surprise me. Okay. Well, thanks, Gabe, for taking my call. All right, Tucker. Appreciate it, man. Let's go next to the uh, two one three area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, this is Tony, man, calling from L.A. What's up, Tony? How are you? Hey, I'm all right. Hey, Gabe. Uh, let me ask you a question. Am I the only one that saw this? When when Basilak got hit and he went down, he didn't go directly down. What happened was he was. And Chisholm say, go down, go down. And he jumped to the ground and started acting like somebody shot him. Did you not see that? I, I didn't see Chisholm telling him to go down. It was very weird. I, I, I agree with you. And, like, look, I don't want to say that he wasn't hurt. He looked hurt. He went in the injury tent. I, It was weird. I, I agree with you. I don't really have an explanation for it. I'm not sure if Drinkwitz was asked about it after the game because I jumped right on here. But it was weird. You're right about that. And uh, one one other thing, that's it. Yeah, man, he got to start giving Cox some time, man, and giving Baby a little break in there sometime, man. Because I mean, Cox even in the spring game was just running through and over and yep. past people, and and he's done it the few little times he's gotten the ball this year. And that play he did in this game where he just they had him in the backfield and the guy just was running with yep. five or six guys hanging all over. Yeah, no, you I know, I'd like to hear this guy. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh -huh. Go ahead. No, no, I agree with you. I, I, I think there's a situation for him, right? There, there are packages. It's short yardage, whatever. I think, I think, yeah, you can, you can get him in the game and you can get him some more carries and maybe you don't have to give Tyler Beatty the ball 40 times. I, that'd be good. I think for all involved. Okay. And on the way out, uh, in, in the recruiting, uh, for the next few years, I think we need to go after speed because yeah. I'm watching these games and I'm watching it with a couple of friends of mine here in L.A. that played at USC. And uh, they see the same thing. They saying your problem is that your players are too slow. They can't tackle. And, yeah, a little part of it is maybe scheme. But 
they're too slow and they just can't tackle. They can't get off of blocks. Yep. And 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 that's basically one of some of the main problems. But that's it. Thanks a lot. Tony, I appreciate the call, man. Thank, thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for listening. Right. And uh, all right, let's go back. We got one more in the 417 area code. Who's there? Hey, Gabe, it's Stuart Thompson in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> What's up, Stuart? How are you, man? I, well, I'm good. How can you not be in a good mood, man? This It may be the last win of the year. I hope not, but we got to enjoy this, man. It's a victory. Doesn't matter how it happened, but we won a game. It's a, it's, it's a fair point, right? Like, I, I feel like we've been pretty negative, and look, I don't think this solves anything. I don't think anybody feels great, but it is a fair point. They did win a football game. Exactly. So I got it. Just a couple of things. Uh, we started strong. I just can't imagine how much the momentum switched when we got 10 nothing, and yeah. then CBA throws that perfect path to the safety <laughs> right. for a pick in the red zone. Right. And, and two, what was it? Two plays later, you know, our, our, our defense, you know, reemerges because before that, wasn't it two, three and out? I mean, yeah. stop the run. Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it just the wheels fall off. Yeah, you went literally one play took you from potentially up 17 nothing to down 14-10. I mean, I, I texted a couple of people during the game. It looked like a Kim Anderson team. Remember those teams that would like, hey, they'd be playing okay for like seven minutes. And then all of a sudden, like they'd be up seven points, and all of a sudden, like the other team would make one three, and you'd go, oh, no, I see what's coming. And it'd be like a 24-2 to two run. It was crazy, man. I, I exactly. There's no explanation you, for it. You feel it? No, there, there isn't. It's. It, it, I'm not going to stay off of the win. We got the win, but Tyler Beatty for governor of the state of Missouri. With with I, Harrison Mevis as lieutenant the, governor. Uh, chat. Well, there you go. And I'll and I would and I would vote for that ticket. But yeah. I I posted in the pregame drink. Uh, over under 250 yards for Beatty. You were right, man. And I thought you about said, that. You know, under. Yeah, I. Well, it's because it was for me, so <laughs> I, I do carry a lot of weight. So, <laughs> but uh, I. The reason why I said 250 is because, and it's been mentioned, Beatty steamrolled bad teams. Just yeah. steamrolled them. You said that how most of his yards is against bad teams, and I just. You know, you knew that if Beatty, if we're going to win the game, Beatty had to go off. I mean, just like, uh, you know, the, the uh, coach from Hupel, thank you very much, Hupel, said the offense runs through Beatty, and we all know that. The only way we're going to win this game is if Beatty just, you know, went off, which he did. And I agree with the caller before. You know, we've got to get some NIL money up, keep him. Yeah, uh, I I think Tyler's gone after make this more year. Money than it, oh yeah, he's getting drafted. I mean, yeah. probably fifth, sixth round, but he's getting drafted. He's going to get a shot. Yeah, no uh, question. But another thing, I've been a CBA fan, man. I've I've been with Baylor, you know, but he had great stats, really great stats this game. But even the announcer on the game said, yep. "There's something missing. I can't put my finger on it." It's just it, it's not clicking, and when when we got the uh, the uh, freshman in the quarterback, 
you know, he didn't he didn't have to do much, but you could feel that the offense picked it up. Now maybe of course All right, but, you know, yeah, running I, for hundred and fifty yards, but like, I, I think it's fair to say ahead, that Bazelak, look, something was off. He wasn't great, all that. But I want to be wary of giving Tyler Macon too much credit. His first snap in the game was a 73-yard run by uh, – I'm sorry, his second snap was a 73-yard run by Tyler Beatty. Like, I don't know that – like, I don't know that that doesn't happen if Bazelak's the quarterback or if Brady Cook's the quarterback, right? And, like, credit to Macon. He came in and he did what he was asked to do. I'm not taking credit from him, but I don't think – I, I want to be a little careful before we start to say that, hey, playing Tyler Macon at quarterback will solve all the all the woes we're having because I don't think really anything we saw that necessarily says that's true. Well, let's, let's think back when – after when Macon came in, you know, the defense knows who this guy is. They know he's a threat. And what happened to the uh, the play after Beatty tore down the, you know, 73 yards? You know, he actually was able to run an RPO and, you know, got to the edge, scored a touchdown. That does not happen with CBA. It just doesn't happen. Well, and, and I think maybe it's, this is what this offense needs is somebody to actually, you know, make things happen rather than sit back and, no, dink and dunks all game long. I'd like. I've said I'd like to see Macon get get some series and and have a package for him. But I mean, does Vanderbilt really know who he is and know he's a threat to run the ball? I kind of doubt it. He's played like 13 snaps this year. Um, they're not following East St. Louis recruiting. Uh, also, it, part of the reason that that RPO worked or that zone read worked is because the entire Vanderbilt defense crashed down to stop Tyler Beatty. Now, maybe Macon doesn't keep, or I'm sorry, maybe if it's Bazelak, he doesn't keep the ball or he's not fast enough to get in. I would think he's fast enough to get in because, like, Macon could have walked in. But the reason actually that worked is not that Macon was the threat to run the ball, but was that Beatty was such a threat to run the ball. And again, I, I want to be clear, I'm not. Tyler Macon did exactly what they asked him to do, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm just saying let's not get too far out over our skis over three snaps where you know he he had seven yards rushing and Tyler Beatty had 73. Yeah fair point fair point and I understand where you're coming from you you got to be cautious. Yeah. Um, yeah. One one more two more things one I don't know what you did up in St. Louis I asked you to pay the guy he chose Mizzou so thank you for Luther Burdine. I promise I, I didn't pay him. Clarify that Clarifying that, uh, even with the NIL, I, I'm not sure what kind of NCAA sanctions we'd be looking at if you did. Uh, and and number two, you know, guys enjoy this win. It wasn't pretty, but hey, we put up some points. Mizzou won the game. We're 500. Send a prayer out to the team for next week, and let's see if we can grab two more wins uh, before the end of the season. Sounds I good, appreciate sir. It, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the 913 area code. Who am I talking to from the 913? 913, you with me? Hey, Gabe, how's it going? Not bad. Who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe, it's Matt. How's it going? I'm doing well, Matt. What's going on, man? Hey, uh, Kirby Smart just said in his press game, uh, post-game press conference that 
there's no coach out there who can out-coach good recruiting. Drink's about to bring in back-to-back top 20 classes. Having said that, is it fair to say that the real barometer on him is not till 2023 when all his guys can really start to make a difference? I th- I've said I think it's fair to start having some thoughts next year. To because next year, like most of the roster will be his. And I'm not saying I got to see 10 and 2 next year. I said I've got to see over 500 next year. They need to be 7 and 5 next year. Um, it, it, He's not going to get fired if they aren't. 2023 is really the year, yes. But, but we start to see it next year. You want to see progress next year. And then 2023, I want to see like a a good team on the field, right? Like an eight or nine win team that gives you hope that, Hey, they may not win the East this year, but like I can see it with this guy. So yeah, I think, I think next year progress the year after that, more progress is, is what you need to see. Absolutely. I think so too, especially with, you know, offensive defensive lines, it takes a few years for those guys to, you know, get ready to actually play in games. Well, by then, they'll be juniors for his first class in 2023. So that's when you actually see, you know, what he can actually do, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think everything's perfect. I've got some concerns right now, but I'm not passing any judgment. He he gets another couple years before we, we start to pass judgment. Oh, right, absolutely. Yep, yep. Totally agree, Matt. Thanks, Gabe. All right, thanks for the call, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, and appreciate all you guys who uh, who who were part of the show this week. Um, overall, like pretty reasonable, pretty rational. I think uh, we know what this team is. It's not great. They can They got to win. And like Stewart said, look, don't look down your nose at that. Right? They got a Power Five win. That hadn't happened this year. I know it's Vanderbilt. I know Vanderbilt's nothing special. Um, but they got to win, and that's better than the alternative. Certainly, Tyler Beatty special. Harrison Meavis huge. Everybody else was good enough, and it's going to be an interesting few days to find out what's going on at quarterback. So I um, want to thank all you guys who were a part of it. If you've been here, hit the like button on the show before you leave. If you're listening on the podcast that I'm going to post right after this, uh, give us a nice review there. Leave some kind words. Share what we're doing here. Uh, appreciate Boulevard for being a part of it. Again, hey, it's still early. Uh, some of the some of the games haven't even started yet. Maybe go out, get yourself whether it's beer, whether it's the fling cocktails, whether it's the quirk seltzer. Go out, get some of that for yourself. Uh, hang out tonight and uh, watch a little college football. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me here. Uh, continuing coverage, Mitchell Forty will have plenty of stuff. I'm gonna have a, a some. A, a kind of a wrap-up later on this evening. We'll have PFF, all the information tomorrow morning. So continuing coverage of this, and we'll go into next week. Be back uh, streaming on Monday. Day off of streaming tomorrow, but be back with the, five, seven, or with the weekend recap on Monday afternoon. So thanks to everybody that, that was a part of it, and um, really appreciate it. Good show overall. Appreciate you guys uh, hanging out. We'll talk to you later on.